Well, welcome to week number two uh, in our series that we started last week called From This Day Forward. And uh, in this second message in this series, we're going to be talking about fighting fair, the importance of fighting fair. And, and just to kind of get a feel for uh, where we're headed uh, in, in this message, um, I, I like to put it this way. I mean, the reality is if you're married, you fight. It, it, it's not if you fight, it's when you fight. And because when two become one, there's, you know, there, there's, uh, there's sparks. There really is. Uh, someone once said, you know, marriage is made in heaven. And that's true. So is thunder and lightning. And that tends to be, you know, many of our experiences uh, when, when it comes to, to marriage. And, and so if you're married, you've had fights. You, you, it's just all part of it. Uh, and, and in fact, you may have even had a fight on your way to church, and now you're like, oh man, I had no idea, and look what I just walked into. Um, and, and all couples fight. It, it actually, believe it or not, is healthy, uh, but, but not all couples fight fairly. And, and when we started this, this message series last week, we talked about the fact that, uh, yes, it is about marriage from this day forward, but it's really from, from dating all the way through to finishing together. And, and so what we're going to look at as we talk about fighting fair, uh, really all these principles can be applied to any relationship, to friendship, long-time friendships as well. Uh, so there's something uh, in this for everyone, whether you're single, whether you're married, engaged, think, man, there's no way I'm ever going to get married, I don't even want that. But, but just even in terms of all of our interpersonal uh, relationships, uh, I think there's something for everyone. Heard a lot of great feedback uh, from uh, last week's message and, and, and really appreciate all that encouragement. In fact, uh, this week uh, on, on Sunday we will have up uh, actually added resources on our website uh, on the page from this day forward uh, for recommended reading. Also, beginning on Monday, we're going to be starting 21 days of prayer and we're putting up a prayer guide each week, 21 day, seven days, one day, each, one thing each week for seven days that husband, you can pray for your wife. These are the topics. Wives, a prayer guide that you can pray for your husband for a week, and then we'll put up the next guide next week, and, and then the next one. So 21 days uh, of prayer. Husbands praying for their wives, wives praying for their husbands, and uh, we want to do all that we can just to help folks, and, and like I said, really appreciate all the, the feedback, and, and before we jump right in, let me give a big shout out to our Poughkeepsie Valley family as well. Give yourselves a hand. Yeah. You hear that? Isn't that awesome? That is just fantastic there. And we've uh, got a bunch of rowdies there, but uh, we're so proud of everything that's happening uh, there in Poughkeepsie and just a, a great, great extension of our church family, one church, two locations. Uh, I, during my study and talking about this fighting fair, I, I came across, there's actually a psychologist, uh, really pretty remarkable. His name's John Gottman, and he studied for 16 years marriage, and he made this statement, and I quote, it's pretty shocking. He said that he could watch a couple, a married couple, fight for five minutes and determine with 91% accuracy if they would divorce or not. Think about that for a minute. Just five minutes, a five-minute little snapshot of the disagreement of the argument, and with 91% accuracy, he could say, that couple will make it, that couple will actually end in divorce. See, it's not about if we fight or if we don't. It's all about how we fight. And so last week, when we introduced this series, uh, really the big idea that we had, particularly uh, for those that, that weren't uh, married at the time, that aren't married, and that is we're going to seek 
are one, that God is gonna be first in our lives, in our marriage, he's first in our marriage as well, our spouse is second, and if we're single uh, or dating, we're seeking the one while preparing for the number two. The number two is the person that God brings into our lives. And, and as I said, everything that we can talk about that we're talking about in this series really can be applied to friendships as well. So here's where we're headed, just a quick review, and here's where we're headed. First of all, last week we talked about seeking God, the importance that he is first. And so we need to seek him first. Jesus said, seek God's kingdom first, and all these things will be added to us. Don't seek a person, don't seek a spouse, don't seek a person to fulfill you because no one can stand the pressure of being put on a pedestal. Whatever we, whoever we idolize, we will eventually demonize because they'll disappoint us and let us down. That was last week's message, quick little review. Tonight we're gonna talk about uh, fighting fair, the importance of how, how do you have some rules of engagement when there is disagreement. Next week, you don't wanna miss it, we're gonna be talking about having fun. We're gonna talk about sex, that's what we're going to do. It's going to get real hot in here. It sure is. And I uh, almost went salt and pepper on you, but I didn't. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to be talking about sex because here's the thing, folks. Here's the, are you ready for this? God made sex, and he knows how it works best. And do you know that Christians across the board, whenever surveyed, married Christians report more sexual satisfaction and fulfillment in marriage than those that are non-Christian and those who are single. How about that one? We're going to talk about that in, in church. In fact, last week I, I mentioned uh, when we talk about this next week, all of you that have children that should be in children's ministry and they're in here instead, you're going to be running for the doors, guaranteed. And there was, there was one little girl, I think she was in fourth grade, and she asked her dad, she was in the service, and she said, why did the pastor have to say that word? And you know what the father said? Because God talks a lot about it in the Bible. That's it. So we're going to talk about that. Having fun. Our marriages should be fun. God created that. And then, uh, the, then we're going to talk about staying pure in a, in a culture and society that wants to do everything to pull us apart and, and grab our attention and our focus off of our spouse. How can we actually stay pure? And then we're going to talk about never give up. Never give up. And, and uh, I, I mentioned this on Sunday, and maybe you didn't hear it. We're concluding this series, check this out now, with a vow renewal ceremony. We're gonna give couples an opportunity to renew their vows. We have room for 50 couples on a special Sunday night in December, the first Sunday night in December, to renew their vows. And we're gonna have a photographer and videographer and wedding cake, and it's gonna be the bomb. You know why we're doing all this? We wanna help you. We wanna help you. That's why we're doing all of this. So that's where we were, this is where we are, and this is where we're headed. Also in here, bringing in a ringer, a newlywed, and uh, uh, Pastor Steve and Francis, he's going to be sharing about real dating in a real world. Just got married back in Memorial Day, navigated those waters of dating and engagement. He's going to be sharing from his own experience. And also, my pastor, Dr. Ron Cottle, who celebrates 61 years of marriage this year with his wife, he's going to be here November 22nd that weekend and is going to be sharing from his wealth of experience, 61 years happily married, uh, and, and I hope you make plans to be here. Well, now we're talking about fighting fair uh, today, and, and I want to start by Proverbs 18.19. Look at what Proverbs 18.19 puts it this way. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Wow. 
But this happens to all of us, doesn't it? There's always going to be disagreements in our friendships. And, and you know marriage is supposed to be a friendship built on friendship. The closest friend that I have is my wife of 25 years, Susie. And so an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like gates locked with bars. And, and so it's important that we understand conflict's gonna come, disagreement's gonna come, arguments are gonna come in, in our marriages, in our friendships, in all of our relationships, but how do we handle those things in an appropriate way, in a healthy way? How do we learn, we can actually learn from God's word how to fight fair? So, so that's what I wanna look at. God's rules for fighting fair. God's rules for fighting fair. Uh, and, and I hope you'll take notes because uh, I believe this is really uh, gonna help a lot. Five different rules uh, for fighting fair that we find uh, in, in the scripture. Here's the first one. Stop to listen carefully. Stop and listen carefully. Takes focus. Proverbs 18 verse two says, fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions. <laughs> How about that one? A fool is not seeking understanding. A fool is all about, let me just tell you what I think about it. In, in other words, what is this? This is an emotionally immature person who always has to give their opinion about everything but doesn't seek understanding. How, how much more so in marriage? To be grown-ups. That's why marriage is for grown-ups. Emotionally mature. Like I don't have to give my opinion about my wife's shoes. I don't have to give my opinion about how she's squeezing the toothpaste. She doesn't have to give the, my, her opinion about me leaving the toilet seat up. <laughs> Fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinion. It's all about them. It's all about this is what I think. This is what I believe. And, and so it's so important just to stop and listen. And, and you know, I remember one thing that we learned in college. Uh, my wife Susie and I met in college, and, at Bible college, and, and uh, uh, we had to take a number of pastoral counseling classes, and one of the things that we learned was reflective listening. Reflective listening. And you know what reflective listening is? Reflective listening is, is really when, when someone's speaking to you, applying this to marriage for the sake of our study or, or, or other relationships and friendships, is saying, I understand what you're saying, and then rewording what they just told you in your own words. That's reflective listening. Man, I, I, I understand what you're, that you had a hard day today. I can't imagine that kind of frustration that you had when you faced that difficult problem. Wow, you understand what I feel. It's so important. Stop and listen carefully. And you know what? That also means you can't listen while you're on your phone. Well, you can listen to this sermon if you're taking notes on your phone, but, but not if you're checking the score of the game or something like that right now. Just, just have to put that aside. Have to learn how to unplug and just give undivided and focused attention. So that's the first thing. Stop and listen carefully. Here's the second uh, principle, uh, God's rule for fighting fair. Guard your words faithfully. Guard your words faithfully. Proverbs 21, 23 says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. 
Let's try that right now. Everybody, just watch your tongue right now. Go ahead. It's kind of hard, isn't it? Kind of. Right. Can't do it. But one thing you do, if you try watching your tongue, you're not going to get into trouble. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you'll stay out of trouble. Isn't that amazing? If we just learn to kind of just keep our mouth shut, we'll stay out of trouble. Stay out of trouble. We're stopping and we're listening carefully, and then we're guarding our words faithfully. When it comes to guarding our words, I think there's, there's two questions that we need to ask before we say anything. Particularly, if you've been married for any amount of time, you know that sometimes it's the, the conversation is just a little emotionally charged at times. And here's two questions to really quick, like a filter, to just run those words through. The first question is, should it be said? And the second one is, should it be said now? There's a time and a place for everything. Sometimes like, you know what? Should it be said? Yes, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Or, or maybe a couple of hours from now. Should it be said? And if the answer is yes to that one, should it be said now? Because timing is everything. Timing is everything. And so guard your words faithfully. Some things in marriage are better left discussed in times when there's no conflict. When, when the, the air is not emotionally charged. Sometimes it's best to just like, you know what? Let's just put this on the shelf and we'll pick this back up tomorrow when we have more time and everything's just kind of cooled down and all. But we will pick it up tomorrow. How, how about we take, pick it up tomorrow at 7.30? We'll just make an appointment, you and me, husband, wife, and, and, and it's not so emotionally charged because it just doesn't seem like this is the time to talk. This is not the time. And so... Just, just thinking about this whole idea of guard your words faithfully and, and thinking about it. Should it be said? Uh, should it be said now? Let, let me give you a couple of little other thoughts under this major point. Uh, just some kind of rules of engagement uh, that, that'll help you. Uh, when you are in a conflict and, and a disagreement, here, here's the first thing I would say, be careful. Never call names. Don't call your spouse a name. You know, you idiot. You're, you're, you're stupid. Don't do that. Because you know what? Those words remain even after the problem has been solved. So, so stay away from name calling. Don't ever do that. A negative name. Now, if you want to call sugar dumpling or something like that, that's fine, you know. But you understand what I'm talking about. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. No, they just kill me. I mean, it's just, they're, they're painful. So, so never call names. Here's the second thing. Never raise your voice. Never raise your voice. I grew up in a family of screamers. And we just yelled and screamed at each other. My wife Susie, their family never yelled at each other. They never dealt with stuff. They just pretended like it wasn't there, and there's just like this tension in the room. Could just cut with a knife. And so you can imagine the train wreck of our marriage first time some disagreement came up and I just like pump up the volume <laughs> and you know what she did she took off running into the bedroom and locked the door and I was like you can't do that we're arguing here you can't run away from me 
And she said, I'm not coming out until you stop screaming. I'm like, I'm not screaming. I'm not screaming. I'm not screaming. <laughs> I had to learn, don't, don't raise your voice. Because uh, some people, just really because of the way they were raised, and they, and they just shut down emotionally. Just, just, the door shuts, the wall goes up. So never raise your voice. Pretty interesting. I coached high school football for 12 years, and everybody who played for me, they'd tell you, Coach Williamson, he never raised his voice. He never yelled at us. I was able to get my point across. We'll talk about that in just a minute, how to do that in an effective way. But, but never raise your voice. Here's the third thing. Never get historical. Don't go all historical on them. You know, I remember back in 1994, you did the same thing. Don't go historical. Stay focused on what the issue is at hand. Not, not, not digging up everything and bringing it into the present. We just finished a series, right, on baggage. You, you know, and, and, and sometimes we, we help our spouse out by reminding them of their baggage and saying, here, we want you to carry that around again. So, so don't go historical when we're watching our words. Here's a real important, never say never or always. Never say never or always. Because you know what? That's, that's a, a broad stroke that's totally inclusive. You always leave dishes in the sink. Really? Not one time did I ever put them in the dishwasher? And then that negates everything. You never appreciate me. Really? Not even once? So, so don't use these all-inclusive never and always words when disagreeing because they're not true, are they? It's not factual. And, and you can't find resolution unless you're dealing in the truth. So stay away from using never and always. Here's another really, really important one. Never threaten divorce. If you're married, take that word out of the glossary out of your vocabulary. Never threaten divorce. Never, never mention it. Never allude to it. We're just not going there because we're in this from this day forward. Don't, it's, it's just not even spoken. This is a taboo word in marriage. Never threaten divorce. And then this one, and this is kind of personal for me. Never quote your pastor during a fight. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't know him. Well, remember when Pastor Greg said, I'm like, oh, now they hate me because you did that. Don't do that. You, you, you don't realize, 25 years of being a pastor, I, I had to really write this one in stone for my wife because she's like, I remember that sermon you gave in 1998. I think it was June 13th, and I'm like, oh. We're all growing, right? We're all in process. Uh, and and uh, God's word is what challenges us and inspires us and convicts us. And, and, and don't, don't use my, don't quote me, you know, don't, please don't do that, because then, then they got an issue with me, your spouse does, and like, I didn't do that, you quoted them in the middle of all that, so anyway, stop and listen carefully, guard your words faithfully, here's the third thing, so important, rules of engagement, how to fight fair, handle anger quickly, quickly, don't stay angry long, because not only is that going to destroy your marriage, it's going to destroy your personal health. 
Don't stay angry long. Handle anger, anger quickly. We've looked at this recently. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. It says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Don't, don't give opportunity for, for Satan, our enemy, to come in and just wreak havoc in our lives because we stay angry. Anger messes us up inside. Now, notice what it doesn't say here. It says, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Who's responsible for you being angry? You. Who's responsible for me being angry? Me. It's an emotion that I choose. No one can choose my emotion and my attitude for me. I do it. That being said, it doesn't say don't go, don't let the sun go down until the conflict is resolved. That's not what it says. Sometimes you have to actually kind of like uh, say, we're not going to get this fixed right now. Let's just put this on hold and let's pick it up tomorrow. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And, and so uh, what, what does that mean? If you can't get over your anger, you may not sleep for a few days. Maybe it's five days without sleep if you just can't get over that anger. One thing I've found at times in my life when I've been angry and, and disagreeing and maybe Susie and I not on the same page, the more tired I get, all of a sudden I just don't want to be angry anymore because at 10 o'clock I was angry. But you know what? It's 3 a.m. now and I'm really tired, so I'm just going to let that anger go and we'll talk about this tomorrow. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. Under this idea of anger and dealing with it quickly, let, let me just give you, uh, I think it's appropriate under this point, four signs that you aren't fighting fair. Just a little sub point here. Four signs that you aren't fighting fair. Criticizing. When you're being critical. That's a sign that you aren't fighting fair. You know, there's a difference between criticism and complaining. A complaint is a legitimate thing. Being critical, that's a whole nother, those two are not the same, being critical and having a complaint. A complaint addresses only the specific action in the present moment, in the present tense, at which your partner has failed. Criticism is when you go global. And, and again, it's when you use those words like never and always. That's criticism. And so let me give you like an example here of the difference between a complaint and criticizing. Complaint is, quote, there's no gas in the car. I'm aggravated that you didn't fill it up like you said you would. That's a complaint. That's in the moment. That's the issue at hand today. Listen to criticism, the difference. Criticism is, you never remember anything. You can't be counted to keep counted on to keep your word. That's criticism. Your character is flawed. Really? Every one of ours is. But but it is counterproductive to finding resolution. And so criticism is not fighting fair. It's not fighting fair. The, the second sign that we're not fighting fair is contempt. Contempt. What's contempt all about? Contempt, this is pretty interesting, is composed of a set of behaviors that communicate disgust with someone else. 
It includes, but is not limited to, sneering, sarcasm, name-calling, eye-rolling. It's contempt. You're not fighting fair. Mockery, hostile humor, and condescension is primarily transmitted, watch this now, contempt is primarily transmitted through nonverbal communication. And now it got really, really quiet. See, because maybe you're not a screamer, but you slice your spouse apart with your facial expressions. And it's contempt. And watch, as we go through these four things, these four build onto the fourth one. And the fourth one, 85% of men, this applies to. This fourth one we're gonna get to. I'm not fighting fair. But it's the cumulative effect of these other three that caused the 85% of men to choose this last action we're gonna get to. Nonverbal, eye-rolling. Did you know, (laughs) eye-rolling is no small thing. Did you know that actually, in, in, in the Old Testament, God says in Proverbs chapter six, verse 16 through 19, there's six things God hates. Actually, he goes, there's even seven. Do you know what the number one thing on God's list is that he hates? Haughty eyes. God says, I hate that. And you know what other things are on the list? Murderous hands. Hands that had innocent blood on them. God says, I hate haughty eyes even more. Parents, just a tip. This is one that we never, each one of my girls tried rolling their eyes one time at me. (laughs) It didn't turn out very well for them. But because you know what? I know as a dad, based on God's word, that if I allow that in their life, it's gonna ruin their future relationships. (laughs) It's contempt. It is contempt. And it seems like a little thing, and it's not a little thing at all. Nonverbal communication. It does not move towards reconciliation, contempt. Uh, and it inevitably, watch this now, contempt, you know what it does? It increases the conflict. So you, can, you don't even have to say anything. Just, and, and with your eyes, you're, you are, you're a dirt bag. You really are. Oh, but I didn't say that. See, so it's your problem. Contempt. This is really, <laughs> this is what I did when I was a high school football coach. I never raised my voice. Never had to yell. But my quarterback, he'd throw an interception on a play that we'd worked on, you know, for, for three months. And he'd come off the field, and I'd just be going like this. You know what he'd do? He'd come over and go, sorry, coach. I told him with my body language what I was feeling. This really convicted me when I was preparing for this. Because I remember, my, and, and I just, it was a source of pride for me. All my players were like, coach, you never raise your voice. You never yell. <laughs> no, that's what I did instead. Even as I was studying and preparing, they were like, Lord, forgive me for that. Forgive me for communicating. Did you know that communication, over 80% of communication is nonverbal? You know, that's why I'm looking at you. Because I can, it's like I can almost see what you're thinking by looking at your face. 
I can tell if this point is hard for you to understand. I can tell if this point is hard for you to hear. There's two differences there. So contempt, nonverbal, it's always disrespectful. Always. It's always disrespectful. Listen to this about contempt. Research shows that couples who display contempt for each other suffer more illness and disease than couples that show respect to one another. Ouch. Ouch. Research backs up what this does in a marriage. Third sign that we aren't fighting fair, defensiveness. Defensiveness. These behaviors, defensive behavior, convey the message, the problem is not me, the problem is all you. You're the problem. It's you. And from this position of defensiveness, we imply because your partner threw the first stone, they're responsible for the entire conflict. You have no responsibility for your actions whatsoever. Defensiveness. It's finger pointing at someone else and taking no responsibility at all. You don't acknowledge that which is true and what you're saying is all of this is because of your behavior, defensiveness. Now you ready for the fourth one? Don't put it up just yet, not just yet. 85% of men fall into this fourth category. This is not fighting fair. And what's interesting is, it's the cumulative effect of being criticized, being shown contempt, and defensiveness. Stonewalling. I, I can't tell you how many wives my wife and I have sat down with and like, my husband's just disconnected. My husband, he just shuts me out. He just won't talk to me. Never have to really raise your voice. It's not arguing, you're not throwing stuff. It's not like hide the sharp objects. These three things, I'm out. I'm still in the house, but I am completely disconnected. Stonewalling. In relationships where arguments break out suddenly and and all the above things take place, eventually one partner just tunes out. This is the beginning of stonewalling. And the stonewaller acts as if he, and again, research indicates 85% of stonewallers in the marriages are husbands. 85%. What they communicate is, I just don't care. I could care less about what the partner is saying or what they're doing. And he, sometimes she, that 15%, but he most of the time turns away from conflict and from the relationship. It's a form of disengagement and disconnecting from your spouse, stonewalling. All four of these are not fighting fair. They should be out of bounds in marriage. And, and, and I love how Pastor Andy Stanley of North Point Church, uh, I, I, I heard him say this one time, and it really struck me, and he said, are you trying to make a point or are you trying to make a difference? So, so many times in our disagreements and our conflict, we're trying to just make my point. I'm gonna make my point. Instead of how can we handle this together so that we can make a difference? So that things can be different. It's easy to make a point. 
but making a difference is what really matters. And so here's, here's the fourth rule of engagement, or the fourth uh, way that God says rules for fighting fair. Respond lovingly, not emotionally. Love is, a, is an action. Love is a verb. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. So respond lovingly, not emotionally. Romans chapter 12, verse 21 puts it this way. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. Good overcomes evil. Even if you've been wronged by your spouse, do you know how you overcome that? It's not by making a point. It's by making a difference. Overcome evil with good. Because good always wins. And so respond lovingly. That's what Jesus did, right? When, when the Bible says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He overcame evil with good. And he's our example that we're to follow. Respond lovingly, not emotionally. Make that decision, I choose to love and I will love and I'll show love as a verb. And here's the fifth and the final rule for fighting fair. Emphasize growing relationally. Emphasize that. When, when you're in the midst of the disagreement and the conflict, focus on, emphasize growing relationally as a result of this. Not just, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win. I've said this before and it's true. You can ask my wife. I've never lost an argument in our marriage. 25 years, I have never lost an argument. Because I can out-argue her. I just think better on my feet. I can just communicate what I want to. I've never lost an argument. I've been completely wrong many times, in fact, probably most times, but I've never lost the argument. That there's been so much time, so many times, when I haven't emphasized growing relationally. And that's why that, that quote from Andy Stanley just struck me when I heard it so many years ago. You're trying to make a point, you're trying to make a difference. I want to make a difference, not just make my point. Emphasize growing relationally. First Peter chapter three, verses eight through nine. Peter puts it this way, finally all of you, we're applying this to marriage or if you're single to your friendships, your relationships, maybe dating relationships if you're dating. Finally all of you, live in harmony with one another. This is what God expects of his children. Be sympathetic. Even when you're disagreeing. Love his brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this, watch this now, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Even in the midst of a conflict, even in the midst of a disagreement, I believe, I've experienced in my own life and marriage, even in the midst of that difficulty and that challenge, God is speaking on the inside and wants to help us through 
that troubled water. And if we'll just decide, I'm not going to return insult for insult. I'm not going to repay evil for evil. You hurt me, now I'm going to hurt you. But instead, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to overcome with good the disappointment that I'm feeling, the frustration that I'm feeling. There's a blessing that's waiting for any one of us and every one of us when we choose to walk in his love, God's love, instead of all the negative things that we've talked about. Asking questions like this in the midst of it when, when your spouse is communicating, you know, you really let me down, you really disappointed me, I'm really frustrated with you. How about asking this question, what can I do to bless you right now? Tell me, what is it that I can do? I hear what you're saying, I frustrated you, I, I, I disappointed you, I let you down. What, what can I do to bless you? That's what I want to do. It just changes it. It changes the atmosphere in the room. And by the way, you can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why, as we talked about last week, we need to put God first. Because in a marriage, it's not two, it's three. Husband, wife, and God. That's number one in the middle of it. And then, after you've, you've kept the focus emphasizing growing relationally, you respond lovingly, not emotionally, you handle anger quickly, you guard your words faithfully, and you stop and you listen carefully, then I would just add this, forgive and apologize. Forgive and apologize. And in our house, even with our girls growing up, we always taught our girls, when they said, please forgive me, we, we would ask them, they're little, tiny little girls, they're not now, but with their little girls. What does that mean when you ask for forgiveness? That means I have no plan on ever doing this again. Very good. That's what it means when you ask for forgiveness. Apologize just really means I'm sorry I did that because <laughs> I see what you did to me now and I'm really... Forgiveness means I make no plan whatsoever in the future of ever doing that to you again. Ask for forgiveness. So concluding this message... I'd sum it up in this statement. Here it is. In marriage, it's never having my way. Instead, it's discovering our way. That's the key. It's not about me winning the argument. It's not about my spouse doing what I want them to do. It's not about having my way. It's not about getting it the way I want it, when I want it. That's a sign of, again, emotional immaturity. That's a little boy, a little girl demanding, I want it the way I want it when I want it. We're supposed to be grown-ups. Instead, it's discovering our way together from this day forward. We're in this together, and we're going to finish together. I know all this can be really, really difficult because we've all done it, haven't we? We, we all find ourselves fighting, and many times we don't fight real fair. With Christ, all things are possible. With Christ, any marriage can be healed. With Christ, your marriage can be healed. But we need to get God involved in our relationships. So I'm gonna ask right now, would you just bow your head with me and, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word that uh, 
shines a light on blind spots in our lives where we haven't been fighting fair, where we've been criticizing, we've been showing contempt, we've been defensive, we've been detached and stonewalling. Father, we need your help. We, 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 need, we need Jesus. Because left to ourselves, our human nature, we're just making a mess of things left and right. Father, by your Holy Spirit, we pray, Lord, first of all, that you'd forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for, for not fighting fair. And we ask for your help. Because we can't do this apart from a growing relationship, putting you number one, as we talked about last week. Help us, Lord, to stop and listen carefully. Help us to guard our words faithfully. By your Holy Spirit, help us to handle our anger quickly and not let the sun go down while we're angry. Lord, may we respond lovingly and not emotionally and that we would emphasize growing relationally through it all that we would truly live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.